0: Hey guys, it's Dave Morrison sitting across from my homeboy Dave Lindquist. What's up, Dave? Hello, Dave and Dave, the Daves you know on the Frosted Side. We are here to tell you about episode number three with John Serpico, host of Fans, the Wigman's podcast. We sat down with him recently. He's an improv comic in the Boston area. He reviewed Men in Black the cartoon series based off of the blockbuster movie from 1997. The Head Trip Syndrome was the name of the episode that he reviewed, and we sat down and tried Wegmans store brand Mini Wheats. Of course, Wegmans, the popular supermarket chain here on the East Coast. And I was a little skittish at first because uh store brand i don't know if if you're a store brand guy Dave, but you know i i i, I tried uh, some of the uh, the the mini wheats and the blueberry looked more like frankenberry but yeah, it, was, um, so,
1: it was an interesting one
0: yeah it turned
1: oh i, wanna, I, I yeah, don't want to i don't want to give too much away not too much away yeah i think we picked i think you picked a good one in that like you know Wegmans being the theme of his podcast you know picking that store brand we kind of get into it there but then uh, he picked uh the cereal that's essentially the title cereal for our show like frosted mini wheats the actual ones are the cereal with a lone frosted right, side. exactly so it was kind of uh, on brand for this episode and uh, john was a lot of fun to come in john to. is a
0: really great guy very knowledgeable about wegman supermarkets based in rochester new york but spreading up and down the uh, New England area, and into the Mid-Atlantic. I, I've been to the Burlington one. I don't know about you, but it is an experience, and we talk a little bit more about that in the episode. How's your week going, by the way, Good, Dave? Dave? Thank you for coming up yeah, here yeah, in Lowell.
1: We yeah, we're recording in uh, Dave's place for the first time. Usually we tend to be uh, down in Somerville toward my place, so it's uh, nice to not have to make Dave drive down there. Ironically
0: enough, parking in my apartment, my apartment building, is a lot Harder on some nights than asking you and any other friend for a parking pass down in (laughs) Somerville. It's kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, it's kind of first come, first serve here in uh, Belvedere where I am recording. It's not that fancy, and my apartment is very small. It's a lot like the Simpsons episode for all you Simpsons fans out there where Lenny is... uh, Behind a a wall in this abandoned dwelling, and he's in his underwear eating cereal. Ironically, telling Marge the realtor, she's, uh, he's eating. He's like, "Please don't tell people how I live." Well, that's pretty much how I am sometimes with my, you know, with my girlfriend. She's always shocked that this apartment's so small, but uh, I'm gonna work on that. You don't judge, and I'm glad Dave Link was doesn't.
1: Person, Dave, I, I never had. An apartment that I lived in by myself. So the novelty of that alone, yeah, you
0: know, that's that's something. Well, I, thank I, you I, I for not being the... judgmental. And maybe when you go down and you see Jess, and you're like, "Oh my God, that apartment was so small and so shitty," and he is a hoarder. No, I'm not. No, you've, it's... you've seen MySpace. MySpace is. Full
1: of stuff i've got shelves and shelves of things everywhere i'm not i'm not one to judge for accumulating things that's for sure no
0: trust me it, it, it's so small it makes it seem like i'm a hoarder i'm sitting behind a bicycle that needs a, a replacement tire actually actually it needs it's a flat right now but uh, i gotta i gotta and get on that pretty soon but uh sit back guys enjoy episode number three of the frosted side with john serpico host of Weg Fans, the Wegman Supermarket Podcast, an improv comic in the Boston area. We reviewed Men in Black, The Head Trip Syndrome. Sit back and enjoy.
1: We're sitting here with uh, John Serprico, a friend of mine, uh, improviser, and host of Weg Fans, the uh, Wegman's Devoted Podcast, which... uh my God, that was a great theme, man! <laughs> no, knowing you and your love of Wegmans. What I've learned is that you have to follow your dreams, Dave. And Dave, and <laughs> my my dream was to
2: uh, dedicate way too much effort and attention to
0: the greatest supermarket of all time. Well, let me ask you this: How did you get interested in supermarket chains? <laughs> well, it's a random open question, but.
2: Well, it, it's funny. Uh, the, the, the first Wegmans I ever went to, I was up in uh, upstate New York seeing a, a Syracuse game, Syracuse football game. And right before the game, we needed to, you know, grab some stuff for the tailgate, and we went to Wegmans, and I was absolutely shocked by the fact that they had, like, an olive bar and a hummus bar, and everyone seemed friendly. And I had worked in a, a supermarket in another northeastern chain called ShopRite when I was a teenager, yep, yep. and no one at ShopRite was happy. And there didn't appear to be any kind of, you know, management philosophy there. So to go to a to go to a place that to me seemed like Graceland was was really quite something. So, yeah. And now now we're a few episodes in and literally all we talk about is
1: Wegmans. That's great. Uh, so you're um, you're from New Jersey Wegmans. Originated in uh, Rochester, New York, I think it is. The, yeah, yeah, I think that's that where one?
2: they're that's where they're headquartered now. Okay, uh, I think that might be where their first store is as well. But the first one I ever went to, I think, was the Syracuse location. Okay. Yeah. All right, nice.
1: Um, and oh, sorry,
0: well, well, no, because uh, my family's from upstate New York, mm-hmm. and I uh, think my parents even lived out in Amsterdam for a brief time. So I'm uh, very well versed in uh, upstate economics, uh, what drew you to Wegmans over, say, Tops or Grand Union or any of those fine uh, stores?
2: Well, the thing that separated Wegmans from everything else was probably the hot food section. Oh, you yeah. Know, because, I, I, I had
1: a dinner of that earlier this week. Right? <laughs> it's, you know, you can go to other, you know,
2: mid to high priced supermarkets, especially northeastern chains and get a somewhat similar shopping experience, but, you know, the, the the thing about Wegmans is you can do all of that and then sit down and eat dinner for an hour. Yeah. And you never feel like you're being rushed. You just kind of make your way through and, and have a nice time of it. And, yeah, that's what I... I mean, that's what I loved about it. And then I... Um, a few years ago, I got my MBA, and kind of the last paper I wrote was on the, you know, kind of retail economics mm-hmm. and, you know, how... You know, kind of low margin companies retain employees. And I learned a lot more about how, you know, Wegmans does that like Wegmans and Costco both put a lot of effort into retaining employees. They give them great benefits. You can really make a career out of it. You can spend a decade at Wegmans or Costco or a place like that. And Wegmans and
1: Costco are still making money. Yeah, so it's and not like growing. They're yeah, and they're, growing, they're, growing they're crazy. Spread around here in Boston, every, every year or so, mm-hmm. there seems to be a new store popping up. But it, but it's not like um, it's not like when Krispy Kreme tried to enter the market and just flooded it all at once. They seem measured and sort of strategic with it. It's like you'll know the store's coming for a long time beforehand, and it's not like three or four are popping up in one area exactly. at the same time. They, and I they seem a, to have a plan. Yeah, oh yeah,
2: I think a lot of that is. The fact that, you know, Wegmans management is is smart. They know that opening up a supermarket is a years-long investment. And so they're really going to think it through and find a good location and open up and say, okay, we're going to be here for 50 years. And, you know, that's what they're doing to, to some success. So it, it it's just funny because I, um, you know, I have – both sides of my family have kind of very different relationships with food, I think. Mm-hmm. And by both sides of my family, I mean both my grandmas, you know, because they, they're the <laughs> linchpin of, linchpins of each side. My grandma on my dad's side, you know, kind of lives to eat like she enjoys food. She enjoys cooking food. She well, who doesn't? Eating. My grandma on my mother's side, <laughs> who instead of living to eat, she ate to live. She right. legitimately hated eating. Oh, and oh wow. Well, she kind of hated everything. Um, nice lady to her family, but she hated everything. And um, and so, you know, I think I gravitated more towards my, my dad's side of the family in terms of my relationship with food, where I think food can be an event. I think food could be a hobby. Um, you know, I have a Wegmans podcast. Like, that's why. You know, yeah. I, I have it because I appreciate it. And so a lot of, you know, a lot of my, my favorite memories involve sitting down and eating a meal with friends or... Oh, You know like sitting down with a big bowl of cereal and watching Saturday morning cartoons
0: sure. like those are those are things that are these linchpin experiences in my life and, and we're going to get to that in a second mm. uh, but so Wegmans isn't just an upstate New York uh, phenomena or here in New England especially over in Chestnut Hill or Northboro mm-hmm. are yeah, across uh, the mid-Atlantic as well.
2: Yeah I have uh, I have uh, nephews down in Virginia. And when a Wegmans opened there, it was very exciting and strengthened my relationship
1: to my nephews. <laughs> That's great. Um, I, I love hearing your nephew bonding stories. Your, oh uh, your, your trip to PAX East with the older one uh, yeah. sounded like quite a bit of fun. It
2: was, uh, I mean, for, for, for an, anyone listening that doesn't know what PAX
1: is, PAX is a big kind of video game
2: and board game convention. And a number of years ago, Will Wheaton was like a keynote speaker what? at it. Yeah, it's a whole thing um but he said um his famous quote that they've used again and again was welcome home and you know the idea it's like pax is your home like it's all these people that love video games and board games and role-playing games as much as you do and you know my nephew uh, my oldest nephew in virginia loves all of that stuff and so to you know fly him up here to boston you know his first time on a plane Fly him up here to Boston, and then just immerse him in his favorite things for three days was amazing. That's great, man. And I
1: introduced him to a bunch of crazy food, which for me, huge
2: <laughs> deal. Um, we went. You, you're
1: playing that role your grandmother did. <laughs> I
2: am. I am. I am not dissimilar to my 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 beloved grandma Rose. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we took him to. Well, so, <laughs> um, so dude, quick anecdote. Uh, oh, you please. know, at at Pax there are. Uh, food trucks outside. It's at the Boston Convention Exhibition Center in I South know, Boston, the true. big enormous space station-looking thing, and you know you can buy food within the convention center, or you can go outside and there are a bunch of food trucks there, and the um and there was a uh, Roxy's grilled cheese, you know, famous Boston Boston food truck, and you know Roxy's does kind of gourmet grilled cheeses, and so I said, you know, hey Tony, that's my nephew's name. I said, hey Tony, do you want to do you want a grilled cheese? And he said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, and i said what kind of cheese do you want and he said oh american and because he's one of those kids right, where yeah. as a teen- he's yeah, right. a suburban teenager so all he eats is like american cheese plain pizza white, chicken white fingers, bread white yeah. bread yeah. yep um, that was
1: me at that age. yeah
2: that's that's what happens um but i said okay well and i knew that you know i knew that they wouldn't have that i said if they if they don't have that what uh what would you like and he he thought about it. Is like the gears in his head turned, and he said, "Mild cheddar." <laughs> and so, and so I say, "Okay, just stand over here, right out of earshot. I'll be right back." <laughs> so I, I I walk up to the food truck and I say, "Hey, you know, I've got a I've got a nephew that's a little on the picky side. Uh, what could What could you do for him?" And we, they said, "Well, we could do like a nice, you know, like a nice Colby and." Uh, uh, you know, in a Monterey Jack cheese blend I'm like, yeah, like a Colby Jack thing would, would work It would, you know, we could probably sneak that past them Yeah And I said, let's also get some uh, tater tots And they said, do you, want, uh, do you want me to truffle those? Like the person asked, do you want me to you know, put a little truffle on, on them? And I said, you know what, let's do a little bit of that <laughs> <laughs> And so five um. minutes later, we were sitting on the ground He's eating his grilled cheese and eating his tater tots And I said, what do you think? And he said, this is the best grilled cheese I've ever had mm-hmm. And I said, welcome to the dark side oh, yeah you're you're in it now man mm-hmm. um and you know i let him kind of eat the whole thing and i said now there are a couple of different kinds of cheeses on there because they didn't have they didn't have american and um and he said well what are they and i said well it's colby and monterey jack and by the way you had f- you know forest fungus on your on your tater tots. he's like oh my god <laughs> uh a day or two later we um, – it, it, it's very precious because, like, Tony and I would go to PAX. Yeah. And then Kim, my wife, would pick us up at night. Like, she was picking us up from school. <laughs> and she would, like, pull up outside and we'd get into the car. And then we'd all go to dinner together. And a couple days later, we went to the Boston Burger Company, the one in Davis Square. Sure. And, you know, they, they make all kinds of bonkers stuff. But they also make just a plain old burger with American cheese on it. And so that's what I was expecting him to get. But, you know, we sit down. Uh, you know, the, the, the waiter walks up and says, you know, young man, what will you have? And instead of saying, you know, I'll take a, you know, I'll take a, a burger well done with American cheese. He said, what kind of cheese do you have?
1: Nice. Nice. Uh, oh, oh, I got emotional. <laughs> um, Converted already. Uh, oh, that's wonderful. And
2: she said, well, we have, you know, uh, mozzarella and provolone and sharp cheddar and uh, like one or two, like, you know, and Monterey Jack. And he said, OK, I'll have a burger with all of them. this kid's
1: a star i I think i just shed a tear oh my god it was beautiful that's amazing so uh,
2: raising
0: them right yeah yeah Uh. it's
2: it's one of those things and that's i think one of the most important things like an aunt or an uncle or grandparents can do is when you're in that role you're not raising anybody but you are giving them experiences that are out of the everyday and the routine yeah you know when i was a kid i had yeah, like all of us, my days were relatively routine. You get up, you go to school, you go home, you do your homework, you eat dinner, you know, you go to bed. Then on the weekend maybe you have little league or soccer or whatever. Um you know, very kind of generic, very bland. You eat the same things, you go to the same places, you see the same people. And so for me the memories that stood out when I was a kid, uh, were when I could hang out with my grandparents or hang out with, you know, my closest friends that were like family to me because it breaks up you know, the monotony of youth. Yeah. And you know, the monotony of youth is important because, you know, it it gets you into society and it builds the routine necessary for you to live and function. But all the good memories come from the the stuff on the on the fringe, on the periphery. So yeah,
1: that's great. Uh well normally we start off with the uh with the cartoon before the uh cereal but since we're in kind of the weeds with food oh maybe maybe, maybe maybe we maybe we go with that. Um what whether you have experience wise with the Wegman's store brand products.
2: So I think the Wegman's store brand products are excellent. Um you know they uh, what Trader Joe's does is they have, you know, kind of white white label products, you know, mm-hmm. products that You know, a supplier will make for them like Trader Joe's ketchup is made by some company that makes other sorts of ketchup. Right. But they make the specific Trader Joe's formulation. The same with their marinara sauce. Same with everything else. Uh, That's not a that's not an uncommon thing. Um, Wegmans does the same. Wegmans has their their kind of white label store brands. But, you know, whereas I think Trader Joe's is. Kind of the gold standard of the store brand. Right. I think Wegmans is pretty much right there as well. Yeah,
1: the the one A, it, yeah, it's it's, right. it's
2: the one A. You know, I don't go to Wegmans just for their store brand, but their, you know, their their you know brass cut Durham semolina pasta is great, and mm. uh, their tortillas are good, and and stuff like that. So. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, in terms of accessibility, there's a location not too far from here in Burlington over in some new strip mall. I think 3rd Avenue Burlington mm-hmm. is a new retail right off Route 3 and uh, 128. And, yeah. I was uh, there on opening day. Oh, I bet you mm-hmm. were. And then Northborough, which isn't too far from me in central Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And then Chestnut Hill, which is where my sister lives.
2: I was there on opening day. I bet you were. I <laughs> bet you're going to
0: be there for the next opening. So, so
2: what do else you, do I have uh, going on? We
1: have, a, uh, we have a very close one to us now. <laughs> yeah, t- John actually lives uh,
2: practically across the street from I- exactly. It's a five or six minute walk between uh, you know Wegfan's podcast headquarters and the, and and this <laughs> headquarters. Um, so I uh, so yeah, it's you know to to get to Wegman's from here, you would walk the five minutes to my house and then ten more minutes, and you're there. It's in it's in Medford, right over the line, and it's big. It pretty much took up the entire. Um, there's a, a you know the Meadow Glen Mall it was called in Medford, sure. and it was not you know an awesome mall. It was one of, I've I've lived in Boston for about 15 years, and it's just been a, in a process of slowly dying for 15 years. Yeah. Oh, as are yeah. the case with many malls. And what they did was they had uh, there were two kind of end cap stores, and then you know the big mall in the middle, and, you know like you would expect with a lot of malls, the uh, Wegmans pretty much took the entire midsection, made it a Wegmans. And then on, you know, one end cap is uh, is a, there's a Kohl's there's in there a Kohl's, somewhere. Yeah. I was going to say Lowe's, but no, it's a Kohl's, no Coles. Which, by the way, I'm all about Kohl's now. Yeah. I, I, I'm, the, I think I'm just getting some splash affinity since it's right next to Wegmans. <laughs> like, I'm in a good Wegmans mood. <laughs> the, the proximity. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll go to Coles and I'm like, oh my God, I can get a polo shirt for $7. I think
0: Burlington Coat Factory is going to be a little pissed off when they hear this. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: they, if they want to sponsor me and give me some yeah. Wegmans okay. coats. All right. Um, oh. And then the other side, I think, is
1: a like a Sports Authority or you know. Uh, are they a still store around? Like sports
0: Authority.
1: I think so. Yeah, it's one of – or Dick's Sporting Goods. Maybe, uh, maybe it's but one of those. Yeah, I think it's
0: Dick's Sporting Goods. I think Sports Authority uh, went into liquidation. Oh,
2: rest gotcha. in peace. Yeah, uh, I, um, I went in
1: there. I think once to get like a, a pellet gun for a Yankee swap or oh. something like that. But... Fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if anyone's hearing any odd, odd uh, bits of audio here, or there, my cat Ivy has uh, cl- climbed onto the uh, podcasting table and has a uh, big, big affinity for John. Here, <laughs> you're just going to have to deal with it, America. She's, I've made a friend today. Uh, she's a little obsessed. <laughs> um, so, this one's a little interesting because we actually haven't uh, before and now covered the namesake of the uh, frosted side. We, we we have not done. Frosted mini wheats, or, or you know, shredded wheat, or anything along those lines. But uh, we're we're going to be uh, sort of broaching the namesake with the uh, Wegman's store brand. So what I've got here is uh, frosted bite-sized shredded wheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so I, close, I, I, you I, can't tell the yeah. difference, right? And I uh, I picked up the uh, blueberry flavor as well. Um, as far as a little background on frosted mini wheats, the uh, I don't know if you guys remember. I had them as my childhood, the big bricks of frosted weed. that used to be these... The red box. Yeah, they're, they're still available, but you don't see them nearly as much. These, these big, giant chunks. And mm-hmm. uh, apparently in the late 60s, they did start frosting those. So they've been around since then. But the, Oh,
2: you mean the even bigger, because there was the yellow box that had the bite size.
1: Oh, these were... And being, then beyond that,
2: There was, yeah. was a little
1: brick. Yeah, yeah, the
2: red box was like the, the double, like right. the double long... Yeah. And then the bricks were like, you put one in a bowl. Yeah, no, And exactly. that's it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. So uh, there's the actual... Actual frosted mini wheats that we're familiar with came about in 1980 or so, and I believe in other countries they they're called topas or topas. It's T O P P A S. So a little bit of history there. I didn't want to delve too. Too deep because I uh, I assume we'll be covering the actual frosted mini wheats right, yes. on the, <laughs> another podcast. So I picked up our uh, Wegmans as I get as I said the frosted bite sized shredded wheat. I also grabbed a blueberry flavor to be a little mm-hmm. uh, spicy here. Well, well, well. So um, I'm going to uh, put together those bowls. If you guys want to keep talking, we can cut some of this out. He was whatever. Thinking of me. But uh, was thinking of here the they come. Of of nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's good for us. Practically health food. So uh, so John, I've got the. Uh, m- we're uh, no dairy milk here right now. I've got an almond milk and a coconut milk. Any preferences? Oh, coconut milk. Okay, hey, right. why not? Dave's, uh, Dave here is a vegan with no allergies, so uh, coconut milk tends to be our default. Though, Dave, do you want it dry or just with a splash of that?
0: I, well, I know you're not a big milk on that. Uh, i it over right here. So if we're talking about blueberry and coconut, I think I'm getting more used to the idea of having a splash of coconut <laughs> milk inside mm, my mm. cereal. And this is the first time you talk about being a picky eater. I was a picky eater growing up. I didn't have pizza until I was 8 years old. I don't know what it was. It was texture and we were talking mm-hmm. about this um in uh an episode last week week with Kevin Harrington um who's a comic here in Boston. Ke- uh, Kevin and I uh and Dave we we talked about this and uh I I just got freaked out over the the texture of pizza as a kid and uh I was very picky. When I I would go to family out in uh, out in pittsburgh out in, in, in near rochester or we go back up to amsterdam or we go up to the adirondacks and we stop at mcdonald's mm-hmm. i'd have to have a hamburger nothing on it no pickles no ketchup wow no cheese hey no american no provolone no mild cheddar fries and a coke and then uh, then when i started eating Getting more in, uh, into meat, I would get, <laughs> I would have the the Big Macs and all of that, and the, it wouldn't be a big problem. And now I'm vegan, so mm-hmm.
2: so, then I, so I, can I just control your into, destiny. I, like, I,
0: I did a whole 180 degree mm-hmm. turn.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's you know, I, it was I know. just
0: weird texture freaks people out, and it freaked me out growing up as a kid. I thought I was an odd duck, but.
2: No, I, I think, you know, uh, an aversion to certain textures is really kind of a defense mechanism uh, that that
1: a lot of kids Thank have.
0: Um, Dave with everyone. Uh, He's bringing yeah. us the frosted mini-wheats with blueberry, oh, and it looks delish. Stuff.
1: Yeah, I was thinking we'd start with the uh, crazy one, kind of get an assessment there, and then yeah. maybe yeah. Uh, take it from there, so... I, I think all our listeners are aware. Uh eating on mic noise is coming up. I apologize in advance. Skip forward well, a couple I'm, seconds I'm if not, not gonna move but, the mic away. I'm you know, just gonna it, get people it, right it, into it's this. It's a serial podcast, so uh deal with it. <laughs> it's more
0: like Frankenberry.
1: Yes, it does. Oh that's mm. bold. hmm I'm um I'm a maybe it's the uh coconut milk, but I'm a little confused here. <laughs> There's a lot going on.
2: <laughs> you know what I love about about, you know, the flavoring of, of cereal, like you know, Lucky Charms and stuff like that, is there's, you know, grape flavor and blueberry flavor, but really when you translate it, it's purple. This like is it's purple just, flavor. This yeah. is purple flavor. And I purple. like purple this flavor.
1: Uh-huh. So our first trial episode, Dave and I each uh, picked a cartoon and cereal for each other and kind of did that. And we picked up this cereal that was pink donut flavor. It It was not strawberry donut flavor. It was not, you know... Cherry or what have you is just pink donut flavor, mm-hmm. and good on them for owning it. <laughs> this you, flavor is pink. Be who you are. Live live your truest self. Um,
2: yeah, that's that's great. You know, i i don't like I don't like when food pretends to be something it's not. Um, by way of an example, and this I, I the, <coughs> this may be controversial because I am talking. I'm talking to a you know a, a proud vegan. But I
1: don't. Li- <coughs> <laughs> don't mind the wheat flakes in John's throat. Here. Yeah, that's <laughs> that I was poor, proud. Poor, poor, poor planning um, on my part.
2: Most of them are in my lungs. Uh, but <laughs> like the vegans. I'm sorry. Yeah, the vegans just a ton, ton of them.
1: Um, Damn.
2: I, I don't like when, you know, when someone says this is a, this is a, you know, this is vegan turkey. This is vegan chicken. Mm-hmm. Don't call it that. Call it literally anything else. I'm fine with calling it a field roast. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with calling it soy riso. A vegan sausage is fine because a sausage could have anything in it. But if you're saying, "Oh yeah, this is vegan meat crumbles." No, you're a vegan. You're not eating meat. Just own it. Own it. You're going to have some kind of crumbled textured protein product. It's not meat. Don't call it meat. Be who you are. So I, I need to ask you, Dave, as a well, vegan, it's what texture. are your
0: thoughts? Well, Ian, it's funny that you bring that up because I got into a heavy discussion with a friend of mine who said that uh, vegans are so preachy. And it's kind of to the non sequitur of this conversation. And I don't really like to talk about being vegan. And I usually hide the fact that I'm vegan at work or in social situations sometimes i'll say i have a dairy allergy or a meat allergy but i don't really like to pr- uh, preach it because i can't stand preachy vegans but mm. in terms of what you're asking whether or not we should call it uh turkey turkey bake or not tur- or turkey substitute you know whatever helps me identify the mm. texture of food and I, uh because because there is chicken there is fake chicken out there and there is fake there are fake buffalo wings And I think for vegans, it just helps them to substitute what they want to eat, but maybe there is a moral or ethical dilemma. And, you know, that was the big thing that I talked about. I got into the discussion about ethical because, you know, we all know that humans – Come first, and I don't want to get into a too, you know, side conversation because we're here. We're here to have fun, but mm-hmm. you know what it is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, fuck vegans, right?
2: No, no. Consider me convinced.
0: That's that's exactly that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Change my mind. You're like the guy, the, the little meme, the guy out in the, yeah, the, in the park. Meme. Well, well there's, like, a, and I just learned about this. There's a um,
2: a, like a Reddit channel, like a Reddit. Um, I don't, I, I'm not on Reddit. I don't know what they're called. There's a section of Reddit um where people show up and ask people to change their mind. They'll they'll post a like hey, I, you know, I firmly believe that we should remove cars from cities. Someone mm-hmm. change my mind. And you know, people come in and they they lay down these incredibly well-reasoned and thorough and comprehensive and very respectful um uh you know, treatises and if the original poster's mind is changed, that poster will give that other person a badge. Oh, wow. And so the, the goal is to earn badges by... And you're not going to earn badges by being like, you know, screw you, jerk. You suck. Um, it, you're going to be like, well, let's ad talk... Ad hominem a-
0: attacks. Ad
2: hominem attacks, yeah. You're actually going to engage in debate. And so, you know, whenever I ask a question like that, it's never a loaded question. Like, if I ask someone that knows more about something than me, I want them to, to set me straight. Um, and so... You know, it's uh, I've been watching Westworld, and one of the things, yeah, one of the things in Westworld that I love is in season one there was a lot of talk about like the maze. There's a maze in Westworld, and they kept saying, you know, characters in the show kept saying like, oh, the maze is not for you. The maze is, you know, the maze is not for you, the human in Westworld. The maze is for the hosts in Westworld, and so when it comes to you know vegan branding like this is vegan turkey this is vegan chicken this is vegan meat crumbles that's not for me the maze is not for me there the maze is for customers to replicate texture uh and hopefully application uh because you know most folks don't most folks aren't raised vegan most folks become vegan so they have these reference points of turkey and chicken and beef crumbles and all that stuff so this is just helping them bridge and i understand that now
0: just one more point on the uh, the veganism, and then we'll get into um, the the review of the cereal and then uh, and the the cartoon we picked. But uh, being vegan, my sister was a vegetarian for six years. She um, she basically went to the 4-H fair in Westford, Massachusetts, where we grew where we grew up, and she saw that the pig was going to be sent to slaughter. The pig that she looked at, and it, it changed her mind. And then after um, some personal health issues, she decided to go back to eating meat. Whereas by the time she stopped. Uh, being a vegetarian, I picked that up. And then around 2013, I was dating a girl up in Vermont, and she told me some horror stories about working inside of a factory farm. And um, long story short, no, 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 she said it, it, it would break people's hearts. And, um, and she was like, why don't you just go vegan? You might as well. If you're vegetarian, you might as well just go all the yeah. way. And so it's been uh, five years since uh, I actually had my last uh, dairy product, and I lost over... 25 pounds, 25, 30 pounds. Uh, but I don't like to brag. No, uh, no, uh, no. No, no, no. I don't like to rub it in people's faces like meat.
2: Just how svelte and happy well, and
1: healthy. Uh, I, 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 I mean, honestly, I, I think you're in the right of considering it many times. I, I don't like I, to preach. I consider myself lucky to be able to disassociate. Really. Yeah, like, very. Uh, we're putting up very, some very uh, healthy blinders. Yeah. no. Because
2: uh, you know, I or unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, or unhealthy. Probably unhealthy. Let's be honest. <laughs> but you know, with with, you know, cows are maternalistic animals. They. They they look after their calves, you know. They like the way milk is created. Like th- those cows are made constantly pregnant so yep. that they can they can keep you know right. expressing milk and you know and pigs are like lovely happy creatures and, and <laughs> apparently as
1: smart as about a three year old. Yeah.
2: I now if I if I was to go on kind of I do not want to rob quality of life from a a, a happy smart creature. I would not eat beef and I would not eat. Um, I would not eat beef, and I would not
0: eat pork. I would eat deer, because deer are morons, (laughs) uh, and I hate them. You should come up to uh, the Adirondacks, where my mom's uh, close family lives, venison, Every yeah. Tuesday night, mm. mm, you are gonna like my family. It's good
2: stuff. I mean, it's good <laughs> stuff. You get you, you, you get venison
1: steaks. You get venison stew. Oh it's, my god! If you cook it right, it's not gamey. It's just rich and, and unctuous. And there is something a lot more moral to you know hunting mm-hmm. than than to like the, you know the factory farms. As yeah, Dave it, was saying it, it before, forces but. you to not disassociate exactly. You know, yeah. if you,
2: you you catch what you you you, know, you, you kill what you catch, you eat what you what you kill. What uh, however however you want to phrase it, but. Yeah, if I if I was to do it really right, I would only eat animals I hate. And I hate deer because they're stupid jackasses. And uh and frankly, I don't like chickens because they're morons. I'm, uh, I'm
1: like that with
0: turkey. You hear that Kim and Jim? Turkey are mean. Mm-hmm. Turkey are mean. <laughs> well, it also reminds people of what it was like before we had factory farming and before we had veganism when hunting was a necessity and in many rural parts, especially in northern new england and northern new york state you have mm-hmm. to live off of hunting and gathering because yeah. hunting is still a necessity in rural parts of this country
2: yeah it's it, it's it's part of it's part of the the kind of the culinary complexion of an area it's not you know people aren't you know shooting a deer and leaving it to rot like no they're going to they're going to they're going to put down that deer they're going to butcher it into into bits and that's what they're eating protein wise for 3 weeks yeah. That's that's fine. And it gets you very connected to your food. I think. You know, I would love a you know, I would love and I don't know if it's gonna happen. It's a lot easier to do it with like vegetables from a farm share. But I would love if people grew a little more connected to their meat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um the one thing now now that I go to Wegmans all the time, I, I rarely go to Whole Foods. I've got I've started developing like a moral problem with Whole Foods after they were bought by Amazon and after um well, after Wegmans made it easy for me to be morally opposed yeah, to Whole Foods, the
1: the the free delivery with your Prime membership is calling to me lately, and uh, I feel so evil for wanting it. Yeah,
0: um, Jeff Bezos, Alexa, buy me something at Whole Foods. Buying
2: Whole Foods. Buying. Oh <laughs> shit! <Come on. laughs> well, I guess I'm all in on this now. Um, yeah, weird. but you know, with with Whole Foods, the the thing that. Um, the the thing that I do like about about Whole Foods is, the you know all the you know, kind of the animal protein is sourced in a way that you the customer are able to
1: track, yeah, and not that it's you know.
2: At, at least you're not if you buy you know kind of the grass fed, humanely raised you know ne- ne-
1: Neiman Ranch is yeah
2: the like the, Neiman yeah, Ranch you know. like if you buy that stuff it's like well. At least, you know, yes, they killed
0: this cow so I could eat it. But at least they didn't torture it first, right? So, and the thing about Whole Foods is, I go to I go to Demoulas. I know, I, I, don't shoot me, but <laughs> it's fine,
1: it's fine. Everyone's got to eat.
0: I got to rip up the basket. But it's funny that I go to Whole Foods in case Demoulas does not have something, or maybe I should go to Wegmans. Mm. But you know since you're here, but I go to Whole Foods because they have sometimes fancy salsa that maybe Wegmans might not have, mm-hmm. or it's mm-hmm. certainly not Dumoulos or Shaw's, but uh, I, I, I think that it's Whole Paycheck, it's it's earned the name Whole Paycheck because you are literally spending a net worth networks sweep of mm-hmm. pay mm-hmm. at that place, and it is ridiculous, and unless they have something fancy that the other stores don't have – why even bother? Because the clientele sometimes is so insufferable. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting people down who go to Whole Foods, but I'm saying that some of the things that I've seen in the lines and, oh, I'm not even going to get yeah. in depth. But hey. it's it's the it's the the most insufferable people who are who are there just to shop because you, it's entitlement mm-hmm. with some of the shoppers. There. Uh, a, a Whole
2: Foods in an affluent neighborhood or an affluent suburb is tough because I you know. I'm there I'm there I'm there to shop. You know, I'm there to shop. And I I don't wanna feel like I'm underdressed. I don't wanna feel like I um you know, I don't wanna feel like I am uh you know i'm being looked down upon because my zip code is wrong yeah there's you know and whole foods sets itself up that way they do just enough to say they're affordable they do just enough to lower certain prices to say no really we're reaching out to everyone we want everyone to shop here they don't though they know what their clientele is they they want everyone that walks in to spend an average of 120 dollars they don't want a bunch of people rolling in to buy to hunt for deals They want you to walk in. They want you to go to the prepared food section and spend $14 a pound for cooked chicken breast. They want you to go to the salad bar and spend $9 a pound on lettuce. And they want you to do that. It's, you know, anything they do to, you know, kind of appease the masses at, at large is, I think, just marketing. So... Now that I
1: am able to divorce myself from Whole Foods, oh, I, I think yes. I've done
2: so. I've done so uh, with a vengeance. So,
1: so, so, with that vengeance and sort of circling back around to Wegmans, I've, uh, I've put out the uh, the plain uh, version of their frosted. I keep wanting to say frosted mini wheats, frosted bite sized shredded wheat, mm-hmm. and. Uh, b- place that before you guys. Uh, I <laughs> actually snuck off and uh, food you can feel good about. Mm-hmm. Great packaging. So I had a bite or two myself. I don't know if either of you have got a chance oh, I, I, to try it. I've the, snuck half uh, the okay. bowl down. So uh, my first thought, I like the traditional a lot more <laughs> than the, Purple flavor, yeah, it, it was definitely purple flavor. I didn't get blueberry. There, there is a slight like chemically thing going mm-hmm. on there. Child, child me might have preferred that. No I'm not, doubt, I'm not no gonna doubt. lie. Like Dave sitting in front of the TV watching the Men in Black cartoon mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something, you know. But uh, I don't know. Verdicts on uh, you guys ends on on these here. Yeah, I so, you know, I, I agree with you. The you know the 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 blueberry frosted
2: Wegmans wheats uh, are a novelty. You know, there are some there are some cereals that, when they release kind of a second flavor, that becomes kind of the canon flavor. Yeah, yeah. Like with with Captain Crunch and then Captain Crunch Peanut Butter Crunch. Yeah. For me, those two are now equal.
1: Yeah, or like, uh, Crunch Berries. They, exactly. You
2: know? you know, there are some things where it's like they release it, everyone likes it, yeah. and it's or you know Cheerios and multigrain yeah, Cheerios, we're, something we're, like we're, that. Honey
1: Nut Cheerios is probably it's, the most popular exactly. of them. Exactly. Yeah, in it the be, beat its
2: predecessor with this that with the blueberry, it just felt felt like a novelty. They yeah, just kind of sprayed it with blueberry stuff. They're trying a little too hard <laughs> they're trying a little too hard, and it's okay. there's no you know the the only way to learn is to fail yeah. uh with the the regular plain ones it's um i mean the the texture's right, the size is right uh compared to compared to the the original uh, the frosting is sweet and delicious uh yeah this is ex- this is precisely what I would have wanted to eat. This is probably. Not the store brand, but the original Frosted Mini Wheats is probably my favorite cereal. At
1: least the cereal I ate the most as a kid. I'm noticing little to no difference from the original here. Mm -hmm. Like, as far as I've had some store brand products that have completely missed, I think no grocery store has ever got Pop Tarts, right? Cereals, uh hither miss here or there. I think this is right. I think this is this is the frosted mini Wheats experience. Maybe they're slightly different shaped or whatnot, but I'm I'm getting what I want from these. And it's maybe a third of the price. I think these were a dollar fifty a box when I went and mm-hmm. picked them up. I'm like, well, I'm gonna get two. Let's sure. let's get the alternate flavor. I'll be the big spender, my three dollars mm-hmm. for two boxes of cereal. Well, and and that's it, it goes back to kind of how these are made. Like again, like Wegmans,
2: like Trader Joe's, like any store brand, they're made by Uh, You know, they're white label. They're made in large facilities specifically for them. And you know what? Like, a lot of the store brand cereals are made in the same General Mills facilities as the non-store brand, as the name brand cereals. And when I was a kid, if someone told me, like, if I was at a friend's house and that friend, you know, plopped down some store brand Pop-Tarts in front of me, I'd be very disappointed. I was like, oh... I guess I guess it's that kind of family that doesn't <laughs> love people, but with now that I, I have a much better understanding of how store brand stuff is made, it, it's the same. It's it's the, the uh, most likely the same people that make the store brand are making the name brand. I mean, look at look at store brand soap. Look at store brand yeah. mouthwash. Look at store you know the um you know the, the Target brand medicines and like over the counter medicines. Same active ingredients, same proportion, same color size and shape of pill. It's the
1: same. So uh, I, yeah. s- mm. I, I signed a non uh, an NDA as an oh, attorney. No. Oh, uh, so boy. I'm gonna have to uh, sort of hop around this product. but if, if, if you think of probably the biggest uh, canned fruit and vegetable, Company you can think of out there, the the, the one I've thought of a name the, that I will the, not uh, say. The one sure. who's who <laughs> kind of hops to <laughs> mind first. All the Costco and all the Target store brand, it was Definitely, absolutely producing both in the same facility, nearly identical cans, just throwing a different label mm-hmm. on there. And
2: that's fine. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with uh, there's nothing wrong with a manufacturer owning both. There's nothing wrong with a manufacturer saying, we are going to sell stuff under our own brand, and we're going to make margin that way. We're also going to sell stuff under the store brand. We're going to make margin that way, too. That's fine. That's that's capitalism.
1: That's how it is. That's sure. how it works. So, uh, one last thought here is Dave's talked about texture in food in the past. Oh yeah. Frosted mini-wheats are an interesting one, man. They, uh, I think, unlike any other cereal, uh, you you have them how you want them depending on how much milk they're soaking up. They're mm-hmm. they're texturally like very interesting with with just the splash on them or dry as I would snack on them dry. Sometimes mm-hmm. you've got that sort of crunch and that you know that dryness you heard earlier with John's throat, and then you get the sort of in between as it absorbs a little milk. But them um, like. Uh, like your like your corn flakes and frosted flakes and stuff like that there's there's a certain point of saturation where these get like mushy to the point of gross to me I, but i mean once once in the blue moon, I kind of want to just you know walk the line mm-hmm. and just get short of that point there but uh they're really something as far as that goes
2: though the the sugar oh coating, look at ivy. Huh. Ivy would like some of the blueberry, and that's okay. Ivy,
0: what's your take? What's mm-hmm. your synopsis?
2: Thoughts. And <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So sorry, John. You were saying no, no.
2: So what? What the, the the sugar frosting does do is even you can you can submerge these things in milk, and the frosting will still keep a thin layer of crisp. Yeah. So yeah, the whole thing true. is soggy, except for that thin layer. the The cereal that I think screws up the most in terms of that. Is the ironically named Crispix, like you? The second Crispix, which I also used to eat, the second they hit milk, they turn into a fine sludge Ugh. immediately. Ugh. And you know, if only there was a way to like, I don't know, like use a a spray bottle to like spritz milk onto them, or like yeah. you put you put a yeah. scoop into your mouth and then just kind of real quick. But wow, yeah. With with Frosted Mini Wheats though, I am very I, I'm very comfortable eating them. Not when they're super super crisp, like when they're just past. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there, the...
1: there's that little perfect in between point. There's that
2: window, and I'm willing to go way past. Like I'm eating these. I'm eating these the equivalent of well done, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, actually, here's here's a, a, a question for for you folks: Is have you have you talked on your podcast yet, or have you thought about the cereal bowls that separate the milk and the cereal that have like the, the milk reservoir? And the cereal reservoir, and it's like, is that cheating? That, is part of the serial process
1: to deal with soggy. That hasn't come up for us
0: yet, but that almost seems ideal for Dave. Like, I don't know if you have any experience yeah. with this. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it in passing on this uh, podcast. I mean, this is only uh, our third podcast so far, so I, I, I might have mentioned it uh, last week with Kevin, Kevin Harrington, but I don't think that um, I've really talked about it in depth. Um, like I said picky eater um you mentioned that uh, i think dave actually mentioned you mentioned the sogginess of the frosted mini wheats i'm tasting that right now in addition to the frankenberry i mean with the frosted mini wheats this is actually the first time i've ever had uh frosted um uh the frosted bites and you know i can see the, i can taste the sogginess Mm -hmm. compared to the cornflakes with the milk or the donuts that we had Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh with the with the donut and the and the coconut milk, the donut cereal that we had in the first episode, um, you weren't here for that. Mm. It was, it, it the milk actually gave you know helped it. It helped its you know the, you know it helped hold it together. Yeah, it, you yeah. know it, it had the. Op, I don't know what's the opposite effect of soggy. I don't know what you'd call that, but it's um, hydrated. Yeah, that would I guess moistened.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely added something.
0: But. It's something mm-hmm. about it, but you know, but this you you can definitely taste the sogginess, uh especially on the frosted side. Hmm. But mm. working the title in <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love Why it um, she, but you no know, it, it's funny I'd
1: never really like considered those separated bowls myself either like I feel like for a dipping purposes if you were sort of eating by hand which these frosted mini wheat would be perfect mm-hmm. for you know, or the just, double long ones funky. in the red yes. box yeah. well I, I've actually got a couple of these in okay. these uh, in these boxes right. I'm like oh, oh they won't want to deal with those I'll just pull those aside mm-hmm. and eat them before I bring <laughs> the bowls over to the table so apologies there guys um, so, I guess we can get into your uh, cartoon of choice now. Uh, John picked the, uh, Men in Black the series, uh, which I believe was on the WB. I think so. I know the year was 97. Yeah, 97 through 2000, ran for four seasons. Uh, Amblin, which I think is Spielberg's company, uh-huh. produced I believe it, it is, So, yeah. you know, a lot of uh, efforts behind that. Um I guess what's your what's your background with this series in ninety seven we were you know we were we were solidly in our teens by we that were. point and we the, were you know yeah i, I when you, the average person I think thinks uh thinks uh Saturday morning cartoons, I feel like they think a little earlier in childhood I was certainly still watching them at that point mm-hmm. in my life but uh yeah how do you how do you come to this as your choice
2: sure well you know for you know, for me, if if the concept was kind of pick your favorite cartoon, my mind would immediately go to Batman: The Animated oh, Series. Yeah. great Which show. was, I think, similar in years. Did that start in maybe 96? Maybe, maybe a
1: little earlier. I feel like I remember watching it tail end of junior high, so that would probably be ninety five. Okay. So
2: you know, but even that is you know supposedly late into our cartoon watching life. Right. But, right. You know, for me, I so it was almost like too easy. Like I, I, I consider Batman: The Animated Series my canon batman i think mark hamill's joker is canon yes. joker uh the i mean the storylines were good the pacing of the stories was excellent yep. um but men in black popped to mind kind of above that because um because i think it was just so underrated you know it's one of those things where it was an adaptation of the movies and you know the what i liked was the the people that designed that show the writers the producers they they took Men in Black, the, you know, the heavy special effects, you know, action, zany catchphrases, you know, kind of, you know, cool cop, you know, yeah, by-the-book yeah. cop. They took all of that and they put it on the big screen. But when they converted it, they turned it more or less into a police procedural. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely. Was, yeah, it was at the precinct headquarters. Yep. You had all these characters. it was, You were watching them get along and interact and play to type as these kind of serialized 20-minute yep, yeah. adventures have. Yeah,
1: serialized was the first thing I thought. Like, they, they, could, you know, they could absolutely sort of each stand on mm-hmm. their own. And, I, I mean, I guess even beyond that, the, the production quality was definitely there. It's a really interesting animation style, mm-hmm. like, well-drawn. Uh, it didn't necessarily have, like, all the frames per second crammed into it of some of the, like, higher quality like ones that have been farmed out to Japanese mm-hmm, studios mm-hmm. that we've seen but like mm. the characters the characters looked good in yep. this um mm. you know the the voices were were close to the original actors who played them but not quite you you could tell the production value is there absolutely it was well yeah it
2: was well drawn it was definitely well drawn i think you know, I I think the acting was good and I didn't want, you know, I didn't want soundalikes doing those voices. I wanted, you know, the and granted I I I I I think this only now now that I like know some folks in my life that do voice work is you know, you, you know, if they hired someone that sounded like Tommy Lee Jones and hired someone that that sounded like Will Smith, they could have done that. I think it would have been a different show mm. because they had distinctly different voice actors. I think it was a constant reminder that this is in the universe but a slightly different universe. Um what I like is it kind of it, it, it kind of looked at Men in Black, the 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 original movie as kind of the jumping off point. Like they had Agent L who's now in it. Like who's now yeah. in it. And it, you know, Agent L, you know, granted she was, you know, blonde instead of brunette, but uh you know, that was Linda Fiorentino from yeah. the movie. Yeah. Uh, You know, now she's there. And I think she adds a tremendous amount to it because she's the medical expert. She's very steady. She's a nice kind of in-between. She's by the book but not stodgy. She's not the
1: straight man. She's not the comic relief.
2: Exactly. (laughs) So it became kind of a three-headed monster, and they were three great main characters. And so that's why I liked it. And now the thing is, I I was watching it when I was a little I was a teenager. And, you know, I had... You know uh, not, not to get too too philosophical, but at around 15, sixteen, I knew I was going to have a real boring job. I was not one of those follow your dreams kind of kids. Uh, I was a got to pay the bills kind of kid, and you know well, so
0: micro would have loved you <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, you know, so at, at 15, 14, 15, I knew I was probably going to go into like a financial analysis yep. field or oh, you wow. know kind of like, a corporate accounting, stuff like that. I knew that. And that's exactly what happened. So I followed through on my plan. So really, my teenage years were spent preparing me for a college that will teach me how to do that. And then college would be to teach me how to work at one of the big four accounting firms. And then that would teach me how to get into corporate finance. That is precisely how my life worked out. And because I made peace with the fact uh, that I was not going to love my job at 15, I said, okay, you know, I've got work me and then kind of real me, work me and then the rest of me. And the rest of me loves watching cartoons, loves taking it easy, loves hanging out with friends. Take
0: that passion with you.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, you like your 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 job is forty hours of your waking life, but it's not your identity. And so, you know, at, at that age I I realized it's like, okay, there's like the you know, there's like the stodgy, like nerdy going into business kid, and then there's the kid that like is gonna be a nerd and enjoy stuff. Yeah. So I, I looked at cartoons on Saturday morning, especially as, like, stress relief. Because, you know, I was, like, packing on a ton of extracurriculars to kind of prepare me for college and stuff. And, you know, the the three hours every Saturday morning where I would sit down and watch cartoons, I was merely a consumer. I wasn't in charge of anything. And I could just simply watch cartoons and enjoy. I actually feel that same degree of escapism when I go to a, a, a PAX, like a yeah. Penny Arcade Expo. Yeah. Because when I'm there... I'm not in charge. No one's asking me questions. I do not have to do analysis. I'm just there with a lanyard around my neck with a badge, and all I do is smile and test stuff out.
1: All, all you're doing is smiling, enjoying, being in that dream as if there's a Vermax attached to your head. Exactly. That Vermax was 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 pumping good
2: feelings into, into my head. Actually, that's I guess that's as good a segue as any to the episode <laughs> I chose. <laughs> um, so sorry, I, it, it just felt so. Oh natural. no, it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, so I actually made a bit of a mistake. Because Men in Black doesn't have the cult following of Batman the Animated Series, um, a lot of the kind of web-based resources are a little inaccurate. The episode I thought I was picking oh, no. <laughs> was, uh, was one where um, there was a time traveler that was slowly eliminating the founding members of the Men in Black Oh, wow. And every iteration, every of like the four or five founding members, every time one went away, Men in Black headquarters would be a little less impressive
1: and like people would have no idea who this person was. I remember this. I I didn't regularly watch this show, but I remember this episode. It was just really well written. It was,
2: yeah, it was essentially what was that Joseph Gordon Levitt Bruce Willis movie? Looper. Looper, It was essentially Looper, where changes were happening and no one would be aware of them, but the world was different. Like, that horrifying scene at the beginning of Looper where they were, like, removing the guy's limbs to get him to... Like, that's how it was in this episode. It was really smart writing. And eventually the only person that was left was Agent J. And the men in black headquarters, instead of being this giant underground facility, was literally, like, a rented office in an apartment (laughs) complex in New York with file cabinets and, like, one person typing. That's great. And so it was one of those things where, like they you know they needed to solve the problem while over the course of the episode having less and less resources and less and less knowledge it was brilliant writing and this is a child's cartoon
1: so that that writing quality i think segues pretty well into the episode you accidentally end mm-hmm. up picking Which, uh, you know, spoiler alert, uh, I think a film also may have come from this this, this movie essentially is this episode essentially is Inception. Without (laughs) a doubt. So, you know, the episode that I thought I chose was essentially
2: Looper before Looper. The episode that I ended up choosing was Inception before Inception. This is
1: uh, the 10th episode of the first season. uh, The Head Trip Syndrome is uh, the title of the episode. And just
0: before we get into the episode, a little background on the animated series. As we mentioned, it aired on the WB network, Kids WB, which I remember just as I was starting to get out of the cartoon thing Mm -hmm, as I started mm -hmm. to become a teenager, as uh, Dave just mentioned. It aired... Uh, the original uh, run of the series. There we go. The October 11th of 1997 through June 30th of 2001. Sorry, I thought I was. Uh, I thought I was a singer mouthing it for a second. <laughs> um, um, what a dynamic voice cast. And I'm just uh, scrolling up here on Wikipedia. Ed O. Ross, uh, Greg Berger, Keith Diamond, Jennifer Jennifer Lean from American History X. Uh, she oh, was wow. the sister, mm-hmm. Davina. Um, Jennifer Martin, Charles Napier. Uh, yep, yeah, from The Critic and— um, Who's in everything. Who yep, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he was uh, the Blues Brothers, of mm-hmm. course, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Law & Order, yeah. Criminal Intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what an amazing voice cast right there.
2: It's, it's really, you know, the, the, for me the production value is in things like that. I, I don't want to watch a cartoon because it looks cool. I mean it needs to. There's a minimum level of looking yeah. cool. Yeah. But I've I touched
1: need... on it before, but certain like filmation stuff from the early eighties where you're getting like, you know, three or four cells a second. Yeah. And <laughs> stilted movement. But... Yeah. It's it's a little
2: rough. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I like I wanna be compelled. I wanna look at this as like a twenty minute play. Yeah. And, you know, the kind of things you can do what I love about um what I love about cartoons generally is you can have these great voice actors that perfectly encapsulate the character, and they don't look anything like the character. Yeah, I I, I recently went to a panel, uh, conveniently enough, at PAX because we're staying on brand there. Um, there was a game. Um, you remember the Masters of Orion series, that kind of space.
1: It was like a oh, space. That sounds so familiar. Why can't I picture
2: it? It's this? like Risk in space. Okay, you go from yep. planet to planet. Yep. You're taking over planets and it's resource management. This you're moving. It's a PC right? It's a PC okay, game. Yeah. And they recently, a few years ago, kind of relaunched a Masters of Orion sequel, kind of sequel slash remake. And uh, Alan Tudyk did one of the voices and a bunch so, of some of
1: his voice work. The the the, the king in uh, in Wreck It Ralph, mm-hmm. the... uh, his <laughs> oh. his
2: uh, his robot and iRobot. Yes, um, yeah,
1: absolutely. And heck,
2: he was in uh, he was in Rogue One. Yep. Like oh, Alan, that Tudyk, was a great robot. I know <laughs> Alan Tudyk is often. In terms of, like, because it's just, especially when he's a voice actor, you're just isolating his voice. He does some of the best acting yeah, right. in any Absolutely. movie he's in. Absolutely. Like, with with iRobot, with, uh, iRobot was, um, you know, I, Will Smith is a professional. Right. But, you know, Will Smith didn't dig down to his, like, you know, Ali, like, his Ali right. levels of gravitas. He just played, like, a cop on the edge with yeah. a robot arm. Right. Like, and so, you know, Alan Tudyk was dancing around him throwing jabs the whole movie. And, but, but anyway, like, so this, this panel about Masters of Orion, it was ostensibly about Masters of Orion, but it was really this group of voice actors who had done voices for the game talking about voice acting. I found it absolutely compelling. And one of the, um, one of the voice actors, I can't remember his name, so I'm not gonna try, said that, um, you know, he, he was kind of a like a leading man type in Hollywood. And so all of a sudden he was, you know, and he, he said something like this. He said, you know, I was playing the, you know, I played the heartthrob and then I played the handsome lawyer and then I played the veteran lawyer and then I played the judge and then I played the right. old judge and then I played the president and then I didn't play anything anymore. And he said that, you know, once I started doing voice acting, I was playing the leading man again. I was playing the heartthrob. And so what I love about that is with a cartoon, you're able to showcase amazing voice acting talent and people that you know people that cast cartoons don't have to look at you know I'm 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 going to I'm going to say something mean about Star Wars like you know please do I'll uh <laughs> I'll step out of the room for a second. So, you know, uh, it's either Aiden or Alden Ehrenreich, the guy that played Solo. Uh, sure, yes. yeah. Certainly looked like Solo. You know yeah. what he can't do, though?
1: Act. Yeah. He I... was
2: He was a black hole of talent, and he made the movie
1: bad. <sighs> that, that was kind of my takeaway, too. Like if it were a different character i might have even liked his performance but him trying to play yeah. that character it wasn't that it character it didn't work yeah. and
2: in, in hollywood when you're you know you're using your eyes on a movie screen you know i feel like casting agents will say well this kid can't act but you know what he sure looks like han solo whereas in cartoons you don't have to worry about about that you have your choice of literally anyone That's what I like about BoJack Horseman so much is they have access to top flight talent. You know, they come, they get to come in in pajamas and record their lines like they have, uh, you know, they had J.K. Simmons do a character on BoJack and all these, you know, these Oscar winners. Um yeah, and I, I love that. That's what I love about cartoons generally.
1: But it's not stunt casting either. Like some of the bigger movies out there, you'll you'll get those big names who you know, it's a paycheck, you know, you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, we Gwyneth Paltrow is one of these characters. Come see our movie. We paid her 5 million bucks so we could you know get her in the credits for this. exactly yeah so it, you're it, paying not, for her yeah. to do
2: the press tour exactly.
1: exactly yeah
0: well it's kind of like this with the series because i'm looking at tony shalhoub he played jack jeebs season one on the uh men in black animated series and he was replaced by billy west uh throughout the remainder mm-hmm. of the Consummate series and professional billy, west billy west does west. everything mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and, and so yeah like with uh, the trick is when you're when you're casting voices in big like you know a hollywood movies, sometimes you get that stunt casting and You're not... Again, it's for the press tour. You know, it's like so... uh, and It's so Anna Kendrick can go on Jimmy Kimmel. Exactly. Anna Kendrick is great and an exceptional voice actor, and she's terrific. But, you know, you you can cast really whoever you want when you're dealing with the slightly less kind of revenue and pressure-intensive world of, like, television cartoons. Every single one of those people... On Men in Black, I'm sure the producers and casters wanted there. Yeah, they were like, "This is our number one choice. This is our number one choice. This is our number one choice." It comes out in the acting. Now, in the episode that, um, in the episode that I watched, the uh, the concept was, uh, you know, a you know, space shuttle lands. All the astronauts on board are unconscious, and they have these kind of like, you know, shit-eating grins on their faces, big happy grins on their faces, and they have these parasites attached
1: to their head, and those parasites are like pumping you know pumping like dopamine uh, into their their essentially the face huggers from alien only on the back of their skull yeah only like happy
2: happy style so they keep them in a dream state these parasites keep them in a dream state and are you know leeching energy or juice or whatever out of their brain and so you know one of them gets attached to agent k and so agent l needs to use like kind of a uh you know like a dream invasion helmet to go into Agent K's subconscious and try to wake him up, it's very. It was very much like Inception. No. Now, the things that I loved about it were that you know, kind of the dream world had kind of its own logic and its own physics. There,
1: there was even a slightly different tint to it, mm-hmm. like the color of the character's mm-hmm. hair. Like there were such subtle things. To yeah, make. it felt like a dream. They they got it oh, right. absolutely.
2: And over the course of over the course of Agent L being an Agent K's dream she began getting better at kind of controlling the dream. So she was able to start doing, like, cool dream-altering stuff. She was able to kind of, like, change location and, like, rip a hole in a dream and have someone fall through it and stuff like that. And it wasn't as... It wasn't as heady as Inception, where you're going, like, five layers deep and all that stuff. But it was, you know, bouncing from kind of dream vignette to dream vignette. Now, one thing I like, too, in cartoons generally, is whenever... Animators have to, you know, have to, uh, you know, design a dream world, design someone accidentally eating mushrooms, something like that. You know, animators love it because they get to do all the crazy, trippy animation. Oh, they had fun with us that one. they don't do. And so this, this was like that too. It wasn't like that Simpsons episode where. Homer ate the super spicy pepper grown, in, your the,
1: spirit animal. <laughs>
2: grown in the jungle primeval. <laughs> Speaking like, of great. The Guatemalan the insanity pepper. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of great stunt casting, oh, it goes oh, Johnny God. Cash as the uh, as coyote. The, as, the, as the coyote. Find your soulmate,
1: Homer. Find <laughs> uh, your soulmate,
2: right. Um, that, is, but, that is stunt casting. It also worked out great.
1: Oh, spectacular. Like yeah. <laughs> um, I, you couldn't have picked someone better. For the that gravitas.
2: Uh, but yeah, so, you know, it wasn't as like um, psychedelic as that. But it was um, it was just different enough. It was a little weird, you know. Agent L was dealing with shifting physics, and eventually things work out in the end, and they get agent uh, Agent K out. One thing that's great is, like Inception, you know, Agent L right before she puts on the brain helmet says, "Just so you know, if I die in there, I die out here too." I Great. love Way to like, add stakes. and set, setting the stakes.
1: I have that note mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. Like you need to establish it that beforehand that like she's in some actual peril. And at one point when she gets shot in the dream, we cut out to the other agents looking at her, and her vitals are dropping. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just builds so much more tension. Yeah, uh,
2: it's a little it's a little two or three second like oh geez yeah the stakes have been raised. Now what I like too about especially the Saturday morning cartoons of our youth um is you know they were 21 minutes with credits so you're dealing with probably a 20 minute story and the best ones use an economy of movement an economy of words and an economy of plot like a like a poem like a poem you know with with poetry compared to a novel poetry there's no wasted words everything has purpose every every movement is scripted everything is important and with batman the animated series that was very much the case it was You know, you know, this 20 minute story with, you know, with, with, you know, a beginning, the setting of stakes, the heightening of stakes, the climax, the resolution. Like you have the whole arc and Men in Black did that, too. Absolutely. So, I mean,
1: most of the episodes were great. You know, I haven't watched I haven't watched them in years. I kind of want to go back after watching this one and hearing about this other one. The the writing is certainly on point. Mm hmm. And that—that's another thing that I believe with cartoons too—is,
2: you know, why was Incredibles one so good? It was good because it was a—it was a family drama. It was a family drama written by adults for adults. But you know, they put everybody in spandex, and now it's for kids. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's it. You're—you're you're skinning an adult product as a kid's product. I—I I, I do not—I have not ever enjoyed, personally, you know, cartoons that are meant for kids where it's just like people repeating phrases and you know. Animals just bouncing up and down. You know, there is a purpose for that. The Young children need repetition to keep them engaged. But for me, I'm not going to enjoy that. I'm going to enjoy cartoons for grownups.
1: So so sort of building off that point, um, I I know we we touched on this before. It wasn't necessarily that, you know, sort of trippy dream sequence. But I I think this had a little bit of the, uh, I want to call it the Scooby-Doo factor. There is a certain, like, Nod to hey, this might be fun to watch well hi <laughs> to this episode. Yeah. the 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 title of it is the the head trip syndrome, mm-hmm. and as, as I'm watching through it, uh, there's somewhat trippy visuals here or there, but there there's this line uh, I I think Elle delivers it late in the episode where they're in the dream on the top of this really tall building, which she's planning to push him off of in order to try and wake him up, and she's just like. Wow, we are so high! And I'm just like, oh, that is definitely a nod to that kind of cartoon yeah. watcher because they, they they know beyond the adults, there mm. might be some people in their late teens, early twenties exactly. watching this sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's not HR Puff stuff, right. but right, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's
2: kind of interesting. Where when you can kind of revisit kind of cartoons from your youth that are very familiar to you, there is a kind of comforting element to that. That I would imagine would create an environment very conducive to smoking some plants and feeling real good about yourself. I'm certain. (laughs) I bet you you the show Reboot would be very good for that, because it is trippy, it's funny. um, There are some scary faces that may freak people out, but, you
0: know, it's... uh... Hey, listen, normally I would uh, cut you off when you you mention Reboots, because I think we've had enough Reboots in in general, (laughs) but... Since we haven't had a, a a Saturday morning cartoon since what twenty fourteen uh I think uh America is hungry to let kids be kids again mm-hmm. and m i b would be a great start no doubt about it um yeah i think oh, good uh point. this could work
1: now <laughs> yeah put it on
2: you know the the, the best cartoons from when we were kid would still kids would still work today they would um you know the, and... the
1: the best ones, the 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 worst, as, as you know, we've touched on. Like I, I think we're on our third iteration of Thundercats, which I, I went back oh, and I went back and yeah. tried to watch the original recently, and it's it, yeah. I loved it as a kid, and you know maybe yeah. a kid now would love it, but it, it was borderline so, unwatchable. So, so <laughs>
0: for the people listening uh, uh, at home or wherever, uh, you cannot see steam coming out of my ears. Uh-huh-huh. as... Mr. Linquist just mentioned the third and hopefully final reboot of a once awesome series. Arthur Rankin Jr. is rolling around mm-hmm. in his grave. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Ugh.
2: Yeah. I You know, and that's – and so, sometimes –
0: If you're not going to do it right, don't even do it at all. Exactly.
2: Sometimes people just got to sell action figures. You know, that's how, that's how it is. Got to sell action figures. But I have um, – you know, like there haven't been – there have been very few cartoons that – Frankly, there have been very few television shows that have satisfied the exact thing that Saturday morning cartoons like Reboot the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series, and Men in Black the Animated Series have done, which is a place of you know, kind of comfort and peace and relaxation where I can watch a very nice plot unfold yep. where generally the good guys win. And if they don't, it's for a very good reason. And we're going to deal with that later. Like, that's what I loved. It it, it allowed me to really kind of sink into that world. The cartoons I watch now, you know, I, I I think Family Guy is a guilty pleasure. I think the writing is lazy these days, but I still laugh like crazy. Yeah um simpsons is five deep into self-referential memery um and rick and morty i think is brilliant but i cannot talk to literally oh, anyone about it the because fan the fans base. are monsters I yeah uh,
1: i i love the show but i i don't want to express my like for that yeah, show, only
2: cause... only talk to rick and morty with people that you know and know well um that that appreciate uh that appreciate rick as a, uh, a monster or a demon instead of a hero to aspire
0: to, you know. I hear you. I can't talk to any Futurama fans either. Oh, I'm sorry. I went there.
2: <laughs> Re- Futurama <laughs> fans are bad?
0: No, 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 The Rick and Morty Futurama, because there's always a little comparison. They, a lot of people say oh, Rick yeah, and Morty yeah. ripped off because Rick's uh, 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 just uh, uh, um, like a cheap version of Bender. Huh. No, I,
1: I, no I, I mean, I, I guess the belching and stuff, but
2: maybe interesting. I, mean, I, 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 I never I never
1: would have seen that. But those yeah. were
2: very different shows like Futurama yeah. was essentially a family drama. It was I'm
0: surprised you guys didn't pick up on that. No. It's always been on. No, no, there's a meme. Uh, you know, the principal in the popper. Uh, right, right. You know, from the Simpsons episode, there's a, a meme Um, where, you know, where Mr. where, where, where Skinner is like, I'm an imposter. That man's the real Seymour Skinner. Um, there's uh, a they photoshopped Rick's face and said I'm an impostor uh, on Skinner's face. That man is the real mad scientist, mm. and it's got Bender's face on uh, oh, Sergeant okay. Skinner. It's, I'm
1: like, I, I just think of him as a, a drunk drunken Doc Brown, which which I think the, well, the that, pilot was originally. That made. was the
2: point. Is it was it was Doc Brown heavily inebriated, and Morty was Marty, Marty yeah. a a kid sure. who has no reason to be hanging out with an old scientist. Right, exactly. uh, you know, so um, uh, quick quiz.
1: Does anyone remember the name of the Seymour Skinner imposter? Oh, we should know this. He, he, fun fact, Dave and I met at the Simpsons trivia yeah. night. Nice.
0: So are you talking about uh, this, uh, the, the principal's real name? Yeah, principal. Armin
1: Tanzarian. Armin
2: Tanzarian. It
0: was in the back of my head. you
1: gave me like 20 minutes,
0: it would have pop. the hat.
2: reason why I remember that so clearly is at the time – that was the first time I ever tried to get a novelty email address, and it was already taken.
1: There that was already, great. like, an Armin Tamsarian
2: at Netscape.com uh, or whatever. I, I, and I was it, so disappointed.
1: Every couple months, uh, I check because you can check for specific your license plates. <laughs> plates <laughs> and, uh, your mm. I, uh, every couple months, I look and see if uh, whoever has the BORT license plate has given it up in oh, Massachusetts. <laughs> and then like, that would nope, be amazing. Nope, they still have it. Still have BORT. <laughs> But, it, um with a with a license plate that specific, at
2: least you know it's it, it has a good home. R- yeah, it, it's in good hands. No one lucked into boards. Right. Like someone made a conscious decision. <laughs>
1: um so I guess we've basically covered all my notes here. One last thing I wanted to touch on is so I don't remember the the intro music to Men in Black, the film, and I'm not sure if it was the same music or not, but the intro song was cool. I think it's the first cartoon we've covered that didn't explain the premise mm-hmm. of the cartoon and the songs. It's lyricless. It's sort of of its time. There's a hint of that 90s techno to it, but it, but it was just kind of cool music. Yeah, yeah it, was like, a, well, it was a day in the
2: life, little 60-second, like, you know, you just see what's going on yeah, at the so Men in Black headquarters. best of. Yeah. yeah, a little best of. And that... For me, I think that's a more mature choice. Um, Batman, the animated series opening is the same it's not oh, a, yeah that's true yeah, it's I hadn't just of it. It, it's it's um you know it's a kind of art deco instrumental big band like that that just makes the buildings seem bigger and the shadows more mm-hmm. ominous with men in black it it set the stage for a a playful but not zany buddy cop. Police procedural. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, just closing uh, because we all know the uh, MI, uh, MIB, the original film had uh, Will Smith um, uh, sampling Patrice Russian uh, "Forget Me Nots" from 1982, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. "Forget Me Nots." I'm yeah. not, I'm not gonna sing it because uh, that would wipe us out. But um, <laughs> so uh, honestly, I love how, uh, as you guys have mentioned throughout the, the the podcast, I love also how the series was. Very different. It had a different feel than the actual movie. I Without mean, I don't doubt. know if it would have made it better. But uh, when I watched, because I did watch it, it, uh, um, on my days off, it, I, I, I got a feeling that you know, part of me wanted it to be like the the exact movie because I loved the movie when mm-hmm, it came out mm-hmm. when I was 13. But I'm kind of glad in retrospect that they made it very different from the, the, the actual franchise series.
2: Yeah, they, they made it work for television. They took all the elements that worked and and made it a television show and you know i would uh that's why the GoldenEye video game works, is they didn't recreate the movie GoldenEye. They took GoldenEye. They said, okay, there's going to be a James Bond in it. There's going to be a big dam full of water in it, and someone's going to jump off that dam. And everything else, they're like, great, we're just going to make a great video game yeah, now. Absolutely. And so.
1: it's why those things hold up. I, yeah. I, I'm planning my uh, my bachelor party for next month, and GoldenEye is going to be a component that's of that. That's going to be like, a clob-heavy <laughs> bachelor party. <laughs> 20-something years later. Oh. Du- double fisting clobs yeah. and beers. Yeah. 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 No, no no odd job. Mm-hmm.
2: But, um. Yeah. Hey, you're, you're the bachelor. You can make that rule. No odd <laughs> <right>? job. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: slappers only. Sla- uh, slappers only. <laughs> slappers only all odd job. I, I'm, I'm not that kind of monster. <laughs> no, no.
2: It's, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah.
1: So, uh, John, thank you again Thanks. for coming in. We really appreciate it. It my man. pleasure, Dave and, um, Dave and again, everyone can uh, tune into John's podcast, WEG Fans with Marcella. And uh, it's, it's a great listen. And how many episodes are you on? You've got, you put out a few now. Yeah, too. we're up to
2: uh, we're up to 4. The last nice. one came out I think right at the beginning of June. It's it's semi-regular. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to anytime Wegmans does something cool, I at least will try to put like a little Facebook live yeah. video up, yeah. but yeah, it's uh it's fun. It's yeah. a nice leisurely
1: listen. That's nice. Yeah, we're, we're in the process of sort of hoarding these before starting to the release them. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we haven't said anything too much to date this. But um, So in addition to that, I, I guess if anyone's local to Boston, John's also a uh, live performer. If you want to uh, give them places, they may be able to find you. <laughs> yeah, I will happily plug that.
2: So I feel like this, this audience would probably really enjoy the fact that there is, a, there is an improv comedy show uh, inspired by Magic the Gathering called Magic the Gathering The Show, and that, that performs at uh, Improv Boston once a month and also uh, performs at uh, Kamikaze, the awesome comic book store in Davis Square. Oh, I love and, that space. Oh, my God. Like, just to be able to do nerd comedy surrounded by action figures. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and I, I mean, really, any, anything you see at Improv Boston is great, whether I'm in it or not. But, uh, yeah, I try to, try to stay busy with, uh,
1: with all of that. Well, thank uh, you again thank so, you much. so much. Yeah, Thanks really for having it. me. Um, and, uh, bro, ours. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. And as always, uh, you can find us uh, across social media uh, at FrostedPod is the handle essentially across everything. If you have any questions or whatnot, uh, I swear I'm going to start checking the uh, email address a little more regularly. It's FrostedPod at gmail.com. And uh, Dave, you have anything else? Sir?
0: No. No, no, all I'm right. Just, all right. Uh, I think I'm a little sick from the gelatin. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God! No, no, no. The Frankenberry is actually turning moldy.
1: Oh, that. Oh, that is a disgusting color. Yeah. Uh, don't let your uh, purple. Wow, that is. It, it's. You cannot see it. Folks. Yeah. yeah. That's it a good it looks like. It looks like mold. It <laughs> really. I
2: bet you it's still tasty. No, I'm all set. Not. I. Uh, yeah. yeah. I,
1: I. already changed my yeah, mind. Yeah. May- maybe uh, quickly before we sign off. sign off here. Uh. I. Uh, Be my last podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh I accidentally bought a uh cereal with gelatin in it, so sorry Dave.